Hey everyone, it's the Kung Fu Genius, aka Alex Richter. And if you're listening to us on audio only, I'd appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen to it. And of course, if you like what I do here, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius on YouTube and hit that bell for notifications. Are you a fan of Wing Chun Kung Fu? Well, if you listen to me, I assume you are. I got great news for Kung Fu Genius fans. Right now, you can get an all-access one-month free trial subscription to Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Yes, I said free. Go to wcinewsstand.com and register in the upper right-hand corner, fill in your email and password, and use the code KFGTRIAL to get your free trial to the issues from 2011 to the current issue. That's right, all the issues, even the one with this guy on the cover. My Kung Fu Genius column is in all the new issues, as if you need another reason to get this awesome magazine. Go get your free trial subscription today. For all that information, check out the description below. And with that, let's get started. Alright peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of Kung Fu hustle haterade, lots of, I'm gonna revoke your medical license, Mr. KFG. Let's get to it. He is unstoppable, unbeatable, unbelievable. He's Alex Richter, the Kung Fu Genius. And every day, I practice martial arts. <laughs> Word is, I'm a Kung Fu Genius. Practice all day like a genius. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I'm doing really well, Sifu. Really well. Really well. Really yes. well. Yes, here we are in another Saturday morning. Woo! Lightly caffeinated. It's piping hot in here. Is that, it is kind of hot. Is just me? Nay, the weather's changing in New York, and mm. we're in a hundred-year-old building with insulation that's made out of the hopes and souls of small children. <laughs> right. So right. Uh, it's not really going to keep the heat from staying out of no. this space. And no. also... Uh, I think you forgot last summer how hot the studio gets because we're in an enclosed room mm. full of soundproofing. And uh, so basically this is like the equivalent of your um, your gym shorts on a summer day when you're on the rowing machine. <laughs> it's like the walls have blankets. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So here we are uh, for another Ask Me Anything podcast. So oh, wow. what you got for me, man? Oh, wow. My bad. All right. You're bad. Would you forget where you were? No, I just had like a little Oh, you cookie. just took a bite while I was talking and no, then realized you're not ready to speak, it. right? Uh -huh. I was trying to chew it out real quick. Got it. Bleating right. again. No. My not at the moment. Did he just say, are you bleating again? You bleeding? No, bleating. Isn't that like where like sheep lose their... <laughs> Jesus. Eating. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where the where the where the subtitles for this guy here? Why was happening? Why did we, why did we pick someone who doesn't speak proper English to be our sound guy? Apparently, they speak proper English and we don't. Oh, okay. That's what's happening. Well, why did speak American, right? Just don't even front. Well, why didn't we pick someone who <laughs> spoke American? Don't even front. Hey, I think he means what we mean when hey, we say front. If American English was good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for you. <laughs> Okay. Jesus was only the eighth greatest American in 2006. Only the eighth greatest American in 2006. All right, but I digest. What you got for me? Wow. We'll get back to that. <laughs> I, I already see what's happening. I didn't even read it yet, uh -huh. Uh -huh. but um, it's a lot of emojis going on here. A lot of emojis. Emoji central. Okay. All right. Kung Fu Hustle, are you serious? Okay. Am I serious? Sifu Alex. Did we talk about Kung Fu Hustle? I'm trying to figure out. Oh, when. maybe in the Frank Jang episode. That's what it is. My ten questions with Frank Jang. Okay, because I'm like, oh, we don't we don't do too much movie stuff on this Makes podcast. Sense. This came out Thursday. Yeah, Damn, he's that's fresh. Right. Fresh. This is a fresh comment. Yeah. 
for real. Won't be fresh when this episode comes out, but it's fresh at the time of recording. <laughs> right. Sifu right. Alex, I didn't like Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, no. It's extremely cartoonish, oh, no. unrealistic choreography, and a complete martial joke I did not get. There's that down thumbs emoji. Don't, I did not get. Yeah, don't, don't forget, Dre, that uh, half of our podcast audience listens to this podcast. Right, so when right. you just go thumbs down oh, without saying what you're doing, <laughs> those he listening in their cars are like a, down. That's what two thumbs down. Yeah. Got it. All right. What even worse, Kung Poi. Kung Poi? Kung Po. Kung Po? Kung Po. Okay. What even worse, Kung Po. All right. Some Ned Beatty lookalike who's a lousy comedian making a silly ass film. Where, as an infant orphan left on the steps of a Shaolin temple, raised to adulthood, able to communicate with animals like he's Aquaman, somebody summons chipmunks from the ground, turns them into nunchucks, chipchunks, I painfully presume. And there's more. Wait, 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 wait. Before we go any further, there's right. something I have to pick apart. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Doolittle, not Aquaman. Aquaman was in the sea. Yes. And the yes. oceans. No, no. I mean, the question's right. not done, but. He, I, I agree with Mikey D. There's nothing. Once. There's nothing correct about this question so far, but so keep going. Chip chunks, I painfully presume, to fight the killer of his parents, I presume. You know how these turn out. I never saw the movie and the spike. The the horrific fact it's free to see on YouTube movies. I wouldn't give that movie a time of second. Angry two angry faces. Two angry face emojis. I green heart love martial arts movies and don't like seeing them made a joke. Oh my God, Jesus! This is the problem with martial arts. Mm hmm. Okay. Time of second, second of time. Okay, all right. So is that, is that the whole thing? That's the whole, I just finished. Okay. Now, I mean, look, um, this is me being reasonable kung fu genius for a moment here, right? Opinions on movies and entertainment are highly subjective, okay? Mm. What someone likes, someone else might think is the worst thing in the world. What some people think is art- in terms of cinema, other people might think it's just complete brainless trash, all right? Mm. Um, however, it is possible to be objectively wrong about a film. And cannot be more wrong about Kung Fu Hustle. And his comment <laughs> highlights <laughs> multiple not. issues with his perception of the film and multiple issues with the attitude of people who don't like it being problematic in Chinese martial arts. Mm -hmm. And also, comparing Kung Fu Hustle to Kung Pao Enter the Fist? I'm sorry. I, I what the f*** is wrong with you? What the f*** is wrong with you, okay? Kung Pao, a super cartoony, totally unrealistic like spoof on Kung Fu movies, which is a total intentional wacky comedy it's, yeah, it's and an American film yeah. being compared to one of the, the classics of Hong Kong cinema, which is Kung Fu Hustle, mm -hmm. get the f*** out of here, all right? Yeah. First of all, comparing the two of them 
I don't know. It, 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 it makes no sense, all right? It's like comparing a Lamborghini to a, to a Fiat, okay? I mean, like, get out of here. Get out of here with that nonsense, all right? What a comparison. All right. Yeah, you know what Fiat stands for. Ooh. Fix it again, Tony. Yeah. Or f- English and American English. Yeah, f- Italian attempted transportation. All right, okay, that's Fiat. All right. So Damn. anyway, you cannot compare a Fiat and a Lamborghini, and that's what he's doing here. All right. So wow. first of all, this is kind of my issue with the Chinese martial arts community in general. Hmm. How serious they need to take themselves all the time. Okay, bro. In 2022, in the age of MMA. Okay. Where the where the vision of a martial artist is like, you know, some super tough guy with cauliflower ears, you know, jacked with shorts on who goes on in fights in a freaking cage mm-hmm. and you're doing kung fu in the park in a frog button jacket mm-hmm. and you want to get butt hurt about something not being serious, get the hell out of here, man. Calm down, all right? If you want Chinese martial arts to be taken more seriously in general, mm-hmm. all right? Take it a little less seriously, man. Calm down. Oh, there was man. a there was a guy on um, Instagram. Now, unfortunately, I don't remember his handle off the top of my head. I don't he, remember his handle. Either. He has a small Instagram channel, but he he tagged me uh, uh, this this past week in a post where he basically said something like, you know, everyone who practices martial arts is kind of a clown in one respect. All right, it's like you do karate, for example, mm-hmm. and you show up to a karate class wearing what's essentially a, a peasant's, uh, peasant's clothing from Okinawa, Japan, from like previous centuries. And you hang out with other people wearing these kind of clothing, uh, wearing this kind of clothing, and you train with each other, right? Um, if you are a, a jiu-jitsu guy, uh-huh. you uh, wear a bunch of spandex and you roll around with a bunch of other guys, right? If you do kung fu, you're wearing frog button jackets, waving your hands in the air and yeah. stuff like this. And it's like, you know... You do it because you love it, and you do it because it's something you're passionate about. But stop pretending like you're doing the most ultra-serious thing in the world, right? And this is my problem. Like, like people think that if there's a comedic Mm -hmm. interpretation of Chinese martial arts, this is somehow ruining the image of Chinese martial arts. First of all, have you looked around? Chinese martial arts doesn't have a super high profile in terms of the combat world right now because of a lot of weird stuff that's kind of happened and a lot of Chinese Kung Fu people, quite frankly, having attitudes like this person here. Like, oh, like it reminds me of Cartman, all right? You got to respect my authority, right? When you're telling people you have to take it seriously and you're not serious enough and, and don't make fun of it or whatever, you look like a joke, all right? You look like someone who can't take a joke. And if you can't take a joke, it means you're insecure, And if you're insecure, it means you don't trust in what you're doing. Because if you really believe in what you do, you believe something is good, you can handle criticism. You can handle someone making fun of it. You can handle sarcasm. But if you're insecure about it, you get butt hurt when people make fun of the thing you like. And I think that no matter how much you're into something, if you can't also make fun of it, then you're just insecure. All right? And so that's kind of what I see here. That in terms of the general attitude against Kung Fu Hustle being on the same plane as Kung Pao Enter the Fist because it quote-unquote makes fun of Kung Yeah, it's ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but you watch it for 10 seconds and you know that already, right? right. To get butt hurt about that is to, is, is to not, in my opinion, to have issues 
on your like you, you might not think it's funny or might not be for you or whatever but but to get upset because someone wants to take a humorous slant on chinese martial arts on kung fu all right where where our you know patriarch of chinese martial arts bruce lee who is separate from the films and stuff is basically a guy there going wow while he's kicking people i mean calm down buddy calm down all right and saying that kung fu hustle is too cartoonish or too unrealistic bro Name one realistic kung fu movie. <laughs> I will wait. I yeah. will wait. Okay? Hmm. You have more hard-hitting kung fu movies, like, say, the first Yip Man movie, or you have stuff like um, Kung Fu Killer or Kung Fu Jungle with Donnie Yen, mm. where it's got, like, a really hard edge to it, where you're like, wow, this looks really good. Yeah, you have some exceptions there, all right? But those are the exceptions to the rule. Tell me, tell me what Shaw Brothers film is realistic, all right? None, Okay. <sighs> None. Tell me what Golden Harvest, even when Jackie Chan's doing modern stunts, all right? Is Police Story a realistic film? Absolutely not. All right? What, tell, what, what is a realistic kung fu movie? Right? You're watching this for realism? You don't know what a real fight looks like? You want to know what a real fight looks like? Go on YouTube. And don't tell me, all oh, oh, these guys fighting in the street don't know how to fight. Majority of people don't know how to fight. And even people with martial arts training end up looking like normal-ass people uh -huh. when they fight in the streets. Calm down. You want, to, you want to argue about a film not being realistic? Is Enter the Dragon a realistic movie? We're going to send one dude onto an island where he's secluded to get some information <laughs> oh, where, like, a bunch of people would just kill him if they find out who he is, all right? Catching cobras. Is, yeah. Is, is Fist of Fury realistic? A guy gets pissed because his uh, Sifu is murdered by Japanese and then really walks into a school full of Japanese and beats the shit out of them? Is that realistic? Well, we know of one person that has done it. All right, yeah. At least, at least Beard, one. Beardy's done it a couple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, Beardy's is, done is it. Is Big Boss realistic? Is Way of the Dragon realistic? You, you know what I was thinking? You know, I never picked this up as a kid. But as I got older, mm -hmm. you, you realize... Bruce Lee's character in Way of the Dragon, Tang Long, you realize he commits murder in in uh, Italy because he, he kills Chuck Norris. <laughs> he snaps his neck. And then what does he do? He puts Chuck Norris's gi top over leaves. there. And he leaves. He just goes leaves back to Hong Kong. Yeah, he leaves the scene. Yeah. He, he just strolls back to the airport yeah. and goes back to Hong Kong. That's and probably like, the most realistic yeah. part of And no movie. one's like, uh, yo, um, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Tang Long, um, yeah. Uh, we need to question you about this dead, this yeah. ha hairy dead karate yeah. guy we no. found at the at the Coliseum. <laughs> I mean, there is one witness, the cat. The yeah. Cat. Yes, but but that think about but of, think right. about it. Like, can you imagine the employee who who has to clean the Coliseum <laughs> comes in there and sees a dead hairy Chuck Norris with a gi top over his head and with goes like with a patch of hair missing with a patch of hair missing and then goes like, "Yo, this dude died a violent death. <laughs> leg is he got yeah. kicked in the knees. Uh. Leg is jacked up." And then that would be like the biggest news. Like some karate guy is found dead at the Coliseum. All right. Yeah. It would be all over the news right. and there'd be a manhunt. And you know what? <laughs> I don't think it would take too long for them to figure out who did it. Yeah, right. Because the, the evidence is there. Yeah. But also like, like, you know, they just ask a few people yeah. and they immediately know yeah. who was involved. Right? right. So Bruce, after killing Tang Long with that guillotine joke. All right. Would pretty much have to run to the airport. <laughs> okay and then get on right. the next plane to Hong yeah, Kong yeah he wasn't panicking yes. he wasn't even like and crazed. I'm pretty sure Hong Kong has extradition 
with Italy, especially at that time, because Hong Kong was still a British colony. So Bruce could go back to Hong Kong, and if like the Italians are like, "Hey, we found the the the, the, yeah. the karate guy," yeah. you know, we think it's a Tangalong. <laughs> All right, okay. All right, he's definitely going to jail, right? I think I can answer that. Like when uh -oh. I first saw Way of the Dragon, for some reason I cannot remember why, because I was probably about eight or nine at the time. I missed the end, so uh -huh. I saw the beginning of the fight between Chuck Norris and Bruce what? Lee, right? But I never saw how it ended, and oh. I remember asking my brother how it ended, uh -huh. and he told me the cat killed Chuck Norris, right? And <laughs> the cat years, killed yeah, Chuck the cat Norris. Killed Chuck Norris, right? And I believed him for years. <laughs> <laughs> you believed him for years. For years, I believed that to Yo. be the case. That the cat jumped on Chuck Norris and just. <laughs> Wow. And then Bruce just watched eating chips. That little that little poor kitten. Yeah, while this kitten mauled. Wow, wow. So so anyway, even when we look at our uh you know, our favorite films, all right, how realistic are they? In the martial arts fighting, definitely not. Mm. Bruce Lee would have been the first person to tell you he's not the person to go in there and take out right. twenty karate guys, yeah. right? Um but also in the plot and or whatever. Say so, it's unrealistic. So for me, to say Kung Fu hustle is unrealistic. Like, all right, bro, like, with the, with the exception of a handful of movies mm. at most mm. in the entire history of, let's just say, Hong Kong cinema, because we're talking about Kung Fu hustle, um, how many of those films are, are realistic? So get, out, get out of here with that nonsense, all right? Plus, man, how many people... That is a point right there. Do you know how boring it would be if films actually just portrayed reality? Jeez, what? Can you imagine if every fight that was in a martial what? arts movie represented what a real fight actually looks uh. like? All right? It would just be like people swinging, yeah. putting each other in headlocks, punching each other like this. 80 people in around them. 80 people the swarming and just jumping, right? Just there would like... be no cool kicks and punches or <laughs> no. anything like that, right? No. And, but what is this thing like? You know, I don't know. Maybe it's because we live in New York, all right? Mm -hmm. We see real shit every day, all right? Damn. You see people getting jumped. You see people screaming yeah. at each other. You see uh, um, bike messengers getting as irate soon as you with walk taxis. Out the door, as yeah. soon as you walk out, you yeah. see reality there. The last thing I want to do is pay 16 bucks for a movie ticket, put on 3D glasses, and watch <laughs> more of that, that shit. shit. <laughs> all right? Are you kidding me? All right? We right. see... We see real stuff Too all the time, right? We teach martial much. arts. We know about the difficulties of learning to defend different types of attacks and things like that. And mm -hmm. I mean, like, who wants to see reality there? So, so all of these things that he mentions in there are completely off base, all right? Jeez. Plus, like I said, it's possible to be objectively wrong about something that's subjective like films, all mm. right? Kung Fu Hustle is a masterpiece, all right? Because it is a multi if if you now, not everyone. I, I've shown Kung Fu Hustle to a lot of people, right? Okay. Uh, the reason why I do it is because as, if people have never seen it before, I have never seen someone I'm, that I showed Kung Fu Hustle to that didn't just like the film off the bat. Mm. But when mm. they watch it with me, and I give them the live rolling commentary, like okay. Like, you know, you remember when he's there and he's calling out the different people in the audience that he wants to fight and he's looking for the smallest, weakest person. <laughs> right. And then that person always stands up yeah. and totally jacked, right? Yeah. One of those, he actually calls in Cantonese, he calls him the Karate Kid. Like, it's a reference to the Karate Kid. There are references to the Matrix in there. There's lots of pop culture references in there which normally date a film. Mm. Like, you have to be careful. Like, if he, like, you remember the Scary Movie, like, Scary Movie franchise? 
you can't watch any of those old ones because everything in those movies is like making fun of all the stuff that was super big at that time. Yeah. And you wouldn't even like remember half of the like, oh yeah, they're making fun of this one song that was big in 99. Like no one gives a shit, right? So normally if you have a film that's chock full of pop culture, like making fun of pop culture references, it doesn't really hold up past like the two years limit after that movie comes out. Kung Fu Hustle still holds up because the stuff it it parodies or the stuff that it references are things that are super well known, like things like Matrix, Karate Kid. And it also came out in the wake of things like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So it it had this kind of epic scale, but Mm -hmm. rather than it being like the serious wuxia kind of thing, it's like telling the story of like the bottom gangster, Mm. not not like the gangster boss, the bot, the dude at the bottom who's like trying to get in. So from a storytelling perspective, it's really interesting for that. The fight scenes, there are certain phrases at the end when he finally becomes the, and by the way, in the movie, he is the Kung Fu genius. He's the Kung Fu teacher. It turns out that's actually what they call him. Like he's he's the the prodigy. You got the bone structure of a Kung Fu genius, right? (laughs) Right. And there's actually phrases of that final fight scene, which are lifted uh, one-to-one from Enter the Dragon. So if you're like a, a fan of the genre, you go like, oh, that that this is the scene where he comes out and he's in Enter the Dragon where he has his shirt off and you go yeah. he's referencing that. Um, there's also like a, there's also deeper cut stuff there that casuals won't understand like references to Jin Young novels um, and like that stuff is yeah like like there's like the Condor trilogy written by Jin Young which is like a very famous uh, series of novels and they were made into a lot of TV series. There's like stuff in there. Okay. There's deep cut references. Also, the lady who plays the the landlady. All right? Exactly. Yes. You, how, you, you know, that was like her first role she had done since like a super long time. She was an actress in the 70s. She was even in Man with the Golden Gun. She was in, right. she was like a, not a Bond, she was like in that film, right? And she did a couple of movies in the 70s. And you know what? She even did a movie with Ron Van Cleef. Wow. Yeah, Ron Van Cleef like was in like uh, I think it was I don't know it was one of the movies where he has to go back to Hong Kong and yeah. uh, uh, investigate the death of Kicks Bruce Lee. Kicks some ass. No, he had to investigate the death of Bruce Lee oh, or whatever. Sh- I want to have Ron Van Cleef on here yeah. and, and talk to him about tell that the, story. I wanted to, no, I want him to talk about the plots of some of those films. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but it, he did a commentary on mm-hmm. I think it was like the Return of the Black Dragon or something like that, and he actually says in the commentary that him and Yin Kao actually had a thing. So the landlady from Kung Fu Oh, they Hustle. hooked up. Yeah, back in the 70s. Right? Wow. Like, I'm glad not, you said it because I, I wasn't sure whether I should ask that on the podcast. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll go Ron. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, there's lots of interesting stories. And also Yoon Wa playing the husband. Like, the like, he's so great. You have these classic Kung Fu movie stars in there. Yeah. Playing somewhat atypical roles. You had Bruce Leung was was the villain at the end, the guy, the puffy toed guy, right? Yeah. He was one of the fake Bruce Lee clones back in the days. You had Chu Chi Ling. It was a Hungar master. It was in lots of movies back in the day. The The first part of the movie was choreographed by Sammo Hung. Okay. And apparently Sammo Hung and uh, Stephen Chow, they, 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 had, they had a little bit of a conflict. They were butting and, heads. Yeah, they were butting heads. because. So I don't know. I mean, obviously anything I'm saying is something I heard. It's the third, fourth hand, whatever. Who knows? I'm sure there are people out there who know better. But you know, Stephen Chow is someone who he directs the movies. He writes the movies. He's kind of like in control of every aspect of it. And then so I think that it's usually for people like that, it's sometimes difficult for them to give up some control to someone to mm. do something because he's got a vision of it. Hand so, hand so, hand But hand you hand. can see like, yeah, the first fight scene they have there at Pigsty Alley, all right, where like the gangsters come and then you f- it, it's finally revealed that – 
those those dudes there actually know some kung fu. Mm-hmm. That's Sammo Hung's fight scene, and that fight scene is amazing. Very hard hitting. Yeah, they use a little bit of CGI, a little bit of wires or whatever, but if you look at the work with the pole, the guy with the leg kicking, and then Chu Chi Ling with the Hong Kun, the choreography is really good. And okay. it's very um, it's very respectful to the genre. It's essentially an ode to the genre of Kung Fu and Kung Fu movies. Um, and, you know, and there's lots of references in there that maybe people don't understand. You know, there's some self referential stuff in there like to Shaolin Soccer and to like other films yeah. that made and stuff okay. like that. Um, but there's even like Shining references in there, Looney Tunes references. Now that's not what makes the movie great. What makes the movie great is the, the movie has a great character arc. Yeah, it's it's unrealistic but like I said, name me one realistic Kung Fu movie. To say that Kung Fu Hustle somehow is making a laughing stock of Chinese martial arts when actually it is unbelievably respectful to the genre and every aspect of it by like paying homage to Bruce Lee and to all these people who came before. And when you understand, I mean, obviously people who don't understand Cantonese or don't have a, a, a fondness for Chinese culture, they might not get it. This guy clearly doesn't get it, all right? Man. But he's still wrong. So anyway, all right, next question. Uh, oh. Kung Pao. Comparing Kung Fu Hustle to Kung Pao. My God. Hey. I, this is like, this is... This is the beginning of our Saturday, man. Like I've seen like, crazier that, that, things, though. Yeah, but I mean, who thinks that way, man? <laughs> Broken, all right? I love doing this on a Saturday, by the way. Yeah, it, I don't it mind. It reminds me of being back in the day and it's a little boy waking up. Yeah. Wanting These are to, our Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Saturday morning cartoons and then... Kung Fu Kung movie Fu in the flicks. afternoon, yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, Black Belt Theater. Let's keep that tradition. All right, let's do it. All right, Billy Lowe. Billy Lowe. Ooh, yeah, Billy Lowe. Low. You know who Billy Lowe is, right? Who's Billy Lowe? Uh, Bruce Lee's character in Game of Death. Well, in the uh-huh. Game of Death that they finished afterwards. I don't, right, I don't right, think it would have been right, his right, name right. had Bruce Lee finished it. So this Billy is, Lowe. this is... Yeah. Billy Bruce Lowe, Lee's Bruce character. Lee. It's, it's very creative to come up with Billy Lowe from oh, Bruce gotcha, Lee. Gotcha. So you don't think that's his real name? This person? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. All right? <laughs> most, people, most people on YouTube are... Uh, uh. Can't use their real name <laughs> because they're mostly just talking shit and don't want people to know who they are. <laughs> Warriors. Yes. I mean, I go by Kung Fu Genius on YouTube, but uh-huh. my name is on my channel and you everyone know, knows who I am. I go by Dre Eisen. Yeah, I know. Like a fucking moron. Yeah, like a moron, right? That, mean, <laughs> that means what you say. You actually have to stand behind it, right? Whereas I, you could be... Say Kung Fu Hustle sucks, right? Yeah, I know. See, you're not doing it right. You got to come up with a fake name. Yeah. And then you can say whatever you want with zero responsibility and zero accountability, right? Oh, God. Because if people know who you are, change my handle. They're going to be like, oh, my God, did you see what this person wrote? I feel like he already has done that in some capacity, though. Who? Dre. Dre? Yeah, Yeah, you're right. I feel like he's done that. You mean create a fake? You mean create a fake avatar of himself? Yeah, like and then says things without any kind of responsibility or accountability. Accountability. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I stand by my name, Dre Ison. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. That's right. Yeah. And the spelling. Let's go. All right, let's do it. (laughs) All right, Billy Lowe is uh, saying, "Hey, Kung Fu Genius, Dre and Team." My last name's Team. Team though, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what he gets? What up, the, team? The British dude gets no respect because <laughs> uh, no one because no one understands him. Love <laughs> speaking that English. This is great, man. Love your podcast Me and too. always looking forward for the next episode. 
Always makes me think of Dr. Dre. By the way, I didn't WT for a long time. And also I VT. Did w, d- did, I pre- did. did. Yeah. Yeah, because right. he, he added a T <laughs> in there. So. Autocorrect. You got to uh, give people all, you uh, got to right. give people I, the I, courtesy I, of especially autocorrect. Especially JJJ DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was on purpose. <laughs> that was on purpose. Yeah. Everything he wrote there was on purpose. <laughs> Purposeful. All right. I did WT for a long time and also VT for a couple of years. My question is your opinion on the use of elbows and knees in Wing Chun generally. Mm-hmm. All right. The elbow knee stuff was always like a finisher in the WT system. In the VT system, it wasn't so much used. Mm-hmm. Is that a learned thing to difference from other styles? And why there are the differences between the shifting in these styles? Mm-hmm. Shifting, I'm, I'm assuming Turning. he's talking about footwork, right? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. foot turn. Mm-hmm. Okay, they got the same teacher. <laughs> Thank you. That's the problem. Keep burning. Keep burning. Great question. Hot. Great question, Mr. Billy Lowe. Yeah, Billy Lowe. You know, it's funny when I'm thinking about like the person who wrote this question. I'm thinking about the Korean actor Kim Tai Chung, who plays Bruce Lee in a beard with (laughs) fake glasses to cover that he doesn't really look like Bruce Lee. And I'm imagining that's the guy who actually asked this question, right? (laughs) And I'm like, wow, Kim Tai Chung did did WT and VT. Interesting. Um, Okay, so yeah, in in Learn Ting Wing Chun in WT. We use elbow techniques. We use knee strike techniques. And this is not something you see in every single expression of Yip Man Wing Chun. However, if you, if you dig deep, you will find that a number of Yip Man students teach elbow and knee techniques. Obviously, the Chum Kyu has the, the hacking Pai Chang and the Biu Ji has elbow mm-hmm. techniques as well. I like to open with flying knees. Flying knees, yeah. 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 Let's That's my do thing. a little Ben Askren action, right? All right. <laughs> Jorge Masvidal, right? Um, yeah, so um, the question is, well, if you don't see lots of elbow and knee techniques, um, is this something that's like a learning specialty or is this something that maybe other students of Yip Man either didn't learn or didn't emphasize? And I, I don't I actually don't really know the answer to that because um, I, I do know that other Yip Man lineages mm-hmm. use elbow and knee techniques as part of the core Wing Chun curriculum. But I also know that there's some that say, no, this is this is absolutely not part of Wing Chun, and they don't do it. And again, this is often the problem with a lack of standardization, all right? So, you know, as much as the Chinese want to shit on having any kind of formal ranking system, having any kind of uh, standardization of stuff like that, that's why in 2022, you have a question about a style that first became popular in the 1950s, so not even 100 years ago, and you're having these existential questions about whether or not they have elbows and mm. knee strikes. Mm. All right? That's a problem. Yeah. Had these things been more formalized, like you don't have that problem in Kyokushin Kai or something like that. Like you, oh, you can, Yeah, well, obviously it's elbows and knees, but yeah. I'm just saying like, like in another traditional martial art that has a slightly more standardized ranking system, you don't have these questions about like, the, like does this style even have this type of technique, right? But in Wing Chun, you have it because so much of the way that Chinese martial arts were taught and Wing Chun in particular is um, if you're a scrub in the normal class, you might learn something, but you're only really going to learn something if the Sifu likes you. Mm-hmm. And if the Sifu, if you go out to dim sum with the Sifu and you're a special this or whatever. The, so the problem is that the only way you have a chance you to learn. can't spill le- the tea either when you pour exactly. the tea. Exactly. The only way you have a chance to learn anything in any kind of, de- or have the hope to learn anything in any detail, not even a guarantee, is you got to be in tight with the Sifu. Mm. Whereas you can go to any Thai boxing gym and it doesn't matter if the trainer particularly likes you or not, you're going to learn Thai boxing. 
you know, you, you can you just show up and you do your thing. But in Chinese martial arts, the way these things were taught for so long, it's a lot of favoritism and position and who are you and blah, 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 and all that stuff determine whether you learn the art complete, like in a complete way, right? And I'm sorry, like I get it when people say, well, that's part of Chinese culture. I get it, but it's detrimental to the art because that is not how you teach someone a fighting skill where uh, the half the knowledge is based on favoritism and your position in the school. Like, what is that? You go to a boxing gym and the, the, they're just going to teach you how to box. It doesn't matter if the, the, the trainer, if, if you go out to, to lunch with the trainer so the trainer can teach you the secrets of the jab. I mean, like, like you, you understand? Like, that's the problem. So I can tell you that the way we use elbow and knee techniques in WT is based on the Wing Chun idea. It's based on the, the same core concepts of which you apply anything else. So for me, there's no difference, all right? It's a tool done at a closer range than your, you know, your kicks are for a certain range, your punches are for a certain range, elbows and knees are for a certain range. So for me, it's just the application of Wing Chun principles at, at a range where you cannot either kick in the case of knees or punch in the case of elbows. That's it. it it's nothing different or special, all right? Now, whether that's something that Sifu Langting specialized in or developed or he learned and some other people learned and some other people didn't, I, I actually cannot say that mm -hmm. because um, I was a lot more sure about these things 15 years ago. Yeah, I would say like, okay, well, not all of the students of Grandmaster Yip Man learn these things. Nowadays, I'm more like, well, I don't know, maybe Leung Tang had his hand in this. Maybe later Yip Man taught this stuff and earlier he didn't teach it. Maybe it's a combination of those things. Maybe it's none of those things. The more I learn about the different lineages of Yip Man Wing Chun and the history and the more I spend time with Sifu Chan Chi Man, certain things became really clear. And the things that became clear is how unclear it is exactly what people learned. Yo. Okay, so I, I am now 20 years into teaching Wing Chun less confident about what I think I know what people learned and didn't learn than I was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I was a Langting company man. All right, I will tell you, mm -hmm. oh, Langting learned this because he learned at this time, blah, 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 and maybe other students. Blah, blah. And I would, I would have, because I didn't know, I was very naive and very uh, inexperienced. The more experienced I am, the, the, the more I'm like, I, I can't actually answer that question because I cannot vouch for what Choi Jung Tin learned. I cannot vouch for what uh, Lok Yu learned or Leung Seung or any of these guys or why they have something and don't have something else. Because so much of what makes a style unique or a school unique also has to do with the flavor of the instructor. All right. Like like the, you know, Wong Sun Leung's Wing Chun is not just based on what he learned from Yip Man, but it's also based on his personal experience fighting with other martial arts styles. And it's also highly based on his personal character. I mean, like the way he is, is, you know, no one does Wing Chun as Wing Chun is. People do Wing Chun as they are. Okay. Yeah. So if you understand that, you will realize how hard it is to actually answer a question because I was not physically there. And because of the nature of how most of Yip Man's students learn, that is, private, semi-private, in small groups for a certain time period, Yip Man students cannot vouch for how someone learned five years before them or a year after. They're going to because oh, oh, yeah. they learn from Yip Man and they want you to listen to everything that they say. But truthfully, they cannot. The, the opinions of one Wing Chun Sifu who learned from Yip Man about what someone else learned from Yip Man in a different time period are, quite frankly, irrelevant because they don't know. You really don't know. And so I cannot tell you why the Leung Wing Chun system has more elbow and knee techniques. I can only say that it's, it's done in a way that I believe 
adheres to Wing Chun principles. So it's for me, it's not something different. It's not like you just bolted on Thai boxing moves into Wing Chun. Um, as William Cheung actually asserted about WT, which I thought was kind of bizarre. Uh, a number of years ago, William Cheung did an interview where he said Leung Teng Wing Chun is just a mix of Wing Chun and Thai boxing. And I was like, well, no, because the way we do elbows and knees is not the same as in Thai boxing. And it, these are all things from our forms and from that expression. But he's free to have his opinion. That's fine. Um, so I actually cannot answer that question mm -hmm. because I don't know. I would love to know the answer. But the people who really could tell you that answer are, are leaving us. And so I Damn. think, unfortunately, we're in a time period where most of what we want to know about Wing Chun that we don't, especially about the history and the nature of certain techniques, is going to fall into the category of unknown and unknowable. So where we have to look forward now is to say, okay, well... Um, how can we improve these techniques? How can we train them better? How can they be more applicable for different situations? And how can we uh, design and develop Wing Chun further for future generations to be more relevant to the types of attacks and things that we deal with nowadays? I think uh, constantly looking back 100 years, 50 years, 60 years for historical justifications about movements is getting harder to do because we don't have access to that information. And I also think it's, it's unimportant because truthfully, what they did 60 years ago isn't totally relevant anymore anyway. All damn, right? damn. So damn. let's say Wing Chun traditionally WT did not have elbow and knee techniques or Wing Chun didn't have elbow and knee techniques. Um, I think you should have elbow and knee techniques if you want to be relevant in self-defense nowadays. And if you don't have that, you're, you're missing a very powerful and very important tool. What happens when someone gets past your kick? What happens when someone gets past your punches? You can't back up, just continually make space for punches. You need to have other tools. And if you don't have elbows and knees, I'm sorry, you're not complete, whether Damn. that's traditionally part of Wing Chun or not. All right. I think those are separate issues. All right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners. If you're looking for an easy way to support this podcast, please consider joining the Kung Fu Genius Patreon. You can support for as little as $5 a month and get access to episodes a few days early. Higher levels of support get additional goodies, exclusive content, and even your name in the description. The baller level of support will give you the opportunity to be a Dre for a day and give me a rest from this guy over here. A link for the Kung Fu Genius Patreon page is in the description below. You can also support us by subscribing to the Kung Fu Genius on YouTube, liking this video, and sharing it on your social media platforms. When you subscribe on YouTube, don't forget to hit that bell for notifications so you will know as soon as a new episode or a premiere is available for you to watch. For those of us who listen to us on audio, it's a huge help if you don't just rate the podcast, but also write a review wherever you listen to the Kung Fu Genius, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. I really appreciate it. And now back to me. Junction Street Tigers. Ah, he's back. I almost picked this uh, Dita Jiao up and drank that by accident. Oh, fuck. That would have been, been a special episode. Awesome. A special episode of the Kung Fu Genius. <laughs> Dying of sepsis live. All right, let's go. Uh, as a teacher or a Sifu, how do you control the balance between letting the student find their own truth approach within the style and the implementation of your own KFG personal experience and... Imparting your wisdom within the style or styles? Mm. That's a great question. All right. Basically, uh, how do we manage uh, teaching? And I, it's not the best way to describe it, but teaching the product of our style or system and then also allowing the individual the chance to, to be a martial artist on their own. And mm. this is... 
this is not an easy thing to manage because on one hand, um, we can say the individual is more important than the style. And that's 100% true. But when an individual comes to you without knowing anything, you have to teach them something. And in order to teach them something, they have to adhere to certain ideas, okay? If you, if you want to learn Wing Chun, you have to punch with your elbow in a certain position because, because hashtag reasons, we do this because of this and this because of that. You can't just go, oh, well, my personal truth is that the elbow should be out in Wing Chun, all right? Because if you're a beginner who hasn't, you know, as, as Brazilian jiu-jitsu ace Tom DeBlas says, you're a beginner who hasn't even dipped their balls in the style, I'm not actually that interested in what your personal snowflake interpretation is, all right? Because you need to have fundamentals first, okay? If you want to learn Wing Chun, you have to learn the framework of how Wing Chun functions in combat, all right? Using the different timings, you know, the continuous attack, all that kind of stuff, going in in a way where you're protected, where you don't run into punches, how to defend stuff when you're a little bit late, how to deal with kicks, how to deal with someone trying to grab you, all this kind of stuff. There is a procedure to doing that in a way that adheres to the Wing Chun principles and logic. And you have to learn that first. But even if you have an instructor who's very strict about, you know, exactly the look and shape of your stance and your hands and your position and everything like that, you know, very like these, trying to create a carbon copy of the Sivu, right? The student is still going to do it in their own way. And they're still going to have their own um, expression of it. And that's fine. And that that's the way it should be. When you look at all of my Sifu level instructors, whether you're talking about Sifu Craig, who's pretty much the head instructor here at City Wing Chun, because I, I only teach uh, seniors here. He teaches all the students who join. Sifu Nicole, who's my most senior active student. Uh, you look at Sifu Jimmy. You, you look at J Sifu Jan. You look at all of these Sifus, right? Not a single one of them does Wing Chun like the other one, right? But they all learn the same system and they all teach the same system. So I think that's where the codification process is important. The, the students have to learn the program in a step-by-step -step way. Mm -hmm. But even if they all learn it in the same step-by-step -step way, they're all going to do it in their own, with their own personal interpretation. So some students prefer, you know, the certain dragging and locking techniques. Other students prefer to be more dynamic with the strikes. Other students like kicks. Other students like sweeps. Other students like swarm to swarm the opponent and smother. Others are more like snipers in their Wing Chun, how they do their Chi Sao. And so much of that has to do with personal character, right? Like, mm. like, again, no one is doing Wing Chun as it is. They're doing Wing Chun as they are. And it's, it's Thanos. It's inevitable, all right? <laughs> the, the, but that, that's a good thing. That, that's a good thing. That's how you know that you're teaching a martial art. I think if I looked around and every single one of my senior students did Wing Chun the same exact way I did, I think I would have failed as an instructor. Mm. Now that doesn't, but when they do their forms, they do it according to a, a standard. All the, the marks can be ticked off on the way that they do the form, all right? They got this, they got this, they got this. This is the stamp of WT or the stamp of City WT or the stamp of Sivalex Richter or Leung Tang or what. You see all those things in the DNA of what they do. Mm -hmm. Even though maybe certain details will look a little bit different or will be communicated differently between those instructors, that's totally fine. That's why I had to standardize the teaching system. So everyone learns the same stuff mm -hmm. because everyone is eventually going to do it their own way, whether you want to or not. The, the conflict in Chinese martial arts is whether the Sifu accepts that or not. It's not whether it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Name one student that does something 
exactly like their Sifu. And I will tell you, that student is just doing one thing very much like their Sifu, but there are other things that they don't, or the explanation is different. Or if you really find someone that does everything exactly the same way their Sifu does it, oh, it's robotic. Then, I will t then I will show you someone who never thought about the martial arts they practiced. Mm. Because all they did was copy. Mm. And they're n you're not a martial artist if you're copying someone else's homework. But the, couldn't the argument be made there that, like, and I'm just kind of equating this to, say, university and for, uh, uh, education, is that perhaps more it might be about the Sifu's own e ego? Like, and the, and the person that wants to learn does want to kind of think about the martial art. Right. But they love their Sifu, and their Sifu is, no, it has to be done yes, this yes, way. Yes, yes, yes. And that's more them implying their ego on yes. their student. No, you, you're, you're totally right. That's actually a very valid point, that the student that insists on doing everything exactly the way their Sifu does it is also because their Sifu is giving them the pressure to be that way and telling them that that is the the only way that their martial art expression is going to be good, right? Hmm. But that's why I'm saying the Sifus need to understand that it's inevitable that they're going to do it their own way and you're, you, you have to be like a parent. You have to guide them. But you, at some point, you will not be there to hold their hand. You will not be there if they need to use Wing Chun to defend themselves. You, you, will, you, you will not be there if they need to explain Wing Chun to someone else. At some point, you have to realize your job is to prepare them. Mm -hmm. Okay, And that's why standardization of the curriculum and the way you teach, that is super, super important. To make sure everyone gets the same knowledge. And what they do with that is up to them. But when they go to teach it to the next generation, they still pass on the same knowledge. And those students will do what they want to do with it. That, that, that's the important bit. Um, mm -hmm. Krishnamurti said, and Bruce Lee also quoted this one as well, like the, the instructor or the guru often imposes their own burden on their students, right? And, and that, is a, that is a huge problem in Chinese martial arts. So that's, that's what I got to say about that topic. Yo. Yo. All right, next up, we got Kung Pao, I mean, uh, Pow Pow. Okay. Pow Pow. My, my, my heart beat just raised a little <laughs> bit when you said that. Sifu, please try to get Dan and Santo on the podcast. That will be legendary. Mm. Awesome episode. Thank you. I'll take it. Um, that's just a comment. That's a great comment. We get that comment at least once a week. <laughs> All right. No, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not throwing any shade about Inosanto that. Inosanto right? comment. Everyone wants me to interview uh, Sifu Inosanto on you the podcast. Get, do you ever get the uh, Sifu, please get Grandmaster Baxter on your podcast? <laughs> well, let's be honest. Grandmaster Baxter and Sifu Inosanto are, in fact, the same person. Are you sure? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. In the same room. In the same room. Can you imagine? Yeah. If I could get the, the great Sifu Inosanto to show up in a karate gi <laughs> and just have him say that he's Grandmaster Baxter. Well, all right? It would be great if you could actually get his opinion on that particular oh, thing. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be absolutely amazing. Yes. I would... Um, I, 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 I would be willing to give up a testicle to have Dan Inosanto on this podcast, all right? Okay? <laughs> so so I, would, uh, I, would, I would highly consider it, okay? Um, yeah. <laughs> left field. Left, left there testicle. you go, yes. It's the left one. No one cares yeah. about the left one. No one cares. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, at least we I, know I, I, I know, I, I, I don't believe he regularly gives too many interviews 
And I know that his... How many interviews have I don't you know. seen with I, Dennis d- d- No, I, most of what you see with Sifu Inosanto are clips from interviews that he did from documentaries and stuff where they okay. talked about Bruce Lee or, right. you know, so, so it's like, these are the Dan Inosanto portion of a bigger documentary project that he was a part of. Wow. But to my knowledge, and I could totally be wrong, I haven't really seen him on a podcast. Mm. And I know, um, I know that his, uh, his wife kind of manages like his school and everything. So if you want to get to him, you got to go through her. Okay. And quite frankly, she doesn't know me from a bump and a row. Can you imagine? All right. You are, <laughs> you are the one of the most famous, if not the most famous student of Bruce Lee. Yeah. Can you imagine like the requests wow. he must get on a regular basis? Like that she has to filter. Through. That she has to filter through. Just like be oh. on my podcast. Yeah, I wanna. Can oh. I meet him and take a photo and all that kind of stuff? Like if he had obliged everyone who contacts him regularly, he would not have any time to have lunch. Okay, <laughs> so I, I I get why his team would would want to put some distance between just every Tom, Dick, and Harry that wants to ask him to be on their podcast or whatever, and him actually doing any of those things. Mm. Um, I do know some people who train and have trained at the Inosanto Academy. I know one. Yeah, but <laughs> I know one. Uh, yeah, it's but, random. But but you know the the thing is that I'm uh, I've I've met him before. I actually did a session at his academy once. But I was like, you know, if if you like, you see me on this podcast and I can talk like nonstop, right? Yeah. You see me meet Dan Inosanto and I'm just like, nah, yeah. and I'm just fangirling like an idiot and I can't get five words out of my mouth, right? So um, I would love it. Mm-hmm. I really would because I think um, I could have a really fascinating conversation with him. Yeah. All right. About Bruce Lee, about the nature of Jeet Kune Do, about mm-hmm. also, here's the other thing why I think it would be interesting to talk about him or to talk to him. Obviously, when people want to talk to Dan Asanto, they want to talk about Bruce Lee. Oh, and and of course, poor guy. We, we <laughs> right. but really, imagine Bruce has been dead now for almost fifty years. Okay, imagine for fifty years. Imagine I croak. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone for, be getting at and, me. And, like, yeah, and, for, and no, and think about it. For the next fifty years, yeah. everyone wants to talk to you. And let's say we've known each other what seven, eight years. How how many years have we known each other? All right, just about. All right, you knew me for eight years. And for the next 50 years of your life, I'm dead, all right? And everyone keeps asking you stuff, stuff that you might, like, you have no way of knowing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, and that's all people, like, no one asks, Adrian, what about you? (laughs) Never. You know what I'm saying? Never even. And so, obviously, as a hardcore Bruce Lee nerd, Mm -hmm. I got some questions about Bruce Lee. I got some questions about that stuff that Mm -hmm. I want to ask him. I got some questions about the nature of Jeet Kune Do as he sees it or whatever. But... I just want to talk to him. I want to find. I want to find out about him and what he thinks and mm-hmm. his stuff, and talk, also not talk about Bruce Lee to him as well. But I also think we should ask him about Grandmaster Baxter. Yeah, that would be we hysterical. Debunking the the biggest <laughs> Bruce Lee channel, which happens to be fake, Ooh. which used the photo of him and yeah. pretended he was a Campo Grandmaster. Dude, mm. dude, would highly consider giving away my left testicle to to to, to have him on the podcast. All right. <laughs> But I, I, I don't think I don't think I have any clout with Sifu Inosanto. I, they, he doesn't know me from from every other chucklehead who tries to ask him for his time, Ouch. and uh, nor does his wife or his team or whatever. So why why they would do that? I, I don't think they would. I mean, hmm. obviously we can get a little salty on the KFG podcast, but I mean, an interview with him would be nothing but respectful. Obviously, we'd do it through Zoom unless he would be in New York, which I. 
if he was actually in this studio across from me, I mean, you would see helicopters. You'd roof see my face styles. would be bright red. I'd be like, I'd be <laughs> bumbling my words constantly. So even thinking about it, I get kind of nervous. Can you about imagine it. we sneak him into the building? It would be amazing, man. I would, I would roof, abso- sneak him down a fire escape. I would absolutely love that. But whether yeah. or not that's going to happen, and I know, you know, and people ask me, once a week, we'll go, hey, get Dan Santo on the podcast. As if Dan Santo was on everyone's podcast every week except mine. Yeah. It's like, here's, here, here's, now, podcasts. here's my challenge to yeah. KFG listeners. Yeah. You get Sifuena Santo on my ah. podcast. All right. You do it. Right? I will 100%, 100% have him on. To be fair, we, Dre and I had him on our behind the scenes KFG podcast. I'm going to murder both week. of you. I'm going to murder you. All right. Well, you guys are you guys are my my you guys are like Raymond Chow to me being Run Run Shaw. You guys are gonna backstab and create, you know, the, the some other what? competing podcast what? and then destroy me. I know it. I got my eyes on you guys. All right. All right. What else you got? You weren't supposed to say that, Mike. Yeah. Sorry. All right. What we got? No one can understand me anyway. No one can. Matter. Not with that accent. All right. Next up, we got Doctor Eisen. Doctor Eisen? Hmm. Yeah. Eisen. No, I Eisen, like spelled E I S O N, which is Yeah. It's strange. similar. It's it's like your name but with a different spelling. Doctor Eisen. Yeah. It's a doctor. All right. Wait. Doctor is usually abbreviated D R. D R. So if you put D R dot Eisen, it would be Dreisen. I'm looking at it right now, and I see what you're saying. Yeah, you see, Doctor. So it's not Dreisen. It's Doctor Eisen. Doctor Eisen is chiming in. That's literally what I'm looking at right now. Okay. All right. All right. Whatever. You're the one who picks the questions. Yo. All right. Let's do it. All right. Um. Okay. He's. uh, I would like to know why the KFG continually. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Mikey Dean, I just want you to realize. He's actually reading this question. How do you know when I'm reading a question? You know, yeah, how, out of curiosity. You know how I know? That's interesting. Right? When I'm you, always reading questions. When you're making up a bullshit Dreisen question. Yeah. You barely look down there. <laughs> and every time you look at the screen, you point at it in a psychological way to make it like you're overcompensating. Like, no, look, I'm reading. Yeah. Kung Fu Genius watchers. Anytime there's a Dreisen question... You point someone's like, no, no, it's right here. You're always pointing because you're overcompensating for the fact that the only thing Wild. on your screen I don't, I don't is, a screen, is a screen saver of bubbles <laughs> going up, all right, while you're reading that question, all right? Yeah. What? Okay. Also, no one types that way. You know what I mean? Like, the way he, those yes. questions, no one types that way. I, I can know. see why y'all would think that. Yeah, all right. Okay, let's get back to Dr. Eisen. <laughs> all right, back to Dr. Eisen. I would like to know why the KFG continually states that Bruce Lee died from the use of cocaine when he very clearly died of adrenal failure from self-regulating through hydrocortisone shots exaggerated through... Exaggerated? You mean, is that exacerbated? Exacerbated. Uh-huh. My bad. Yeah, uh-huh. he, he got caught exacerbating the other day. <laughs> shots exacerbated... <laughs> Through the use of a Japanese electric stimulator made worse by the fact that he was training 18 hours a day. This 
Oh, these are undis in, uh, these are indisputable facts, just like the KFG is a moron with no <laughs> medical training, and I have a certificate from the Richard Dawson Medical Academy. What the KFG is doing is dangerous, and he should be put in jail for his crimes against medicine. Yo! Oh, I just read that, by the Ooh. way. That was not coming out of my ass. <laughs> I mean... Like most woo. things that come out of his mouth, it wasn't coming out of his ass. <laughs> holy... <clears throat> holy Dr. So Eisen. Dr. Eisen is taking issue with what I say about medical stuff, I, all right? When literally yes, every single time I say like, look, I'm not a medical expert, Although I've read, I've, I've seen Bruce Lee's this. autopsy. All right, if I don't you're think taking, he's heard you say this. if you're taking any medical opinions from me, all right, you're a moron. All right, so this guy is literally either choosing not to listen to my disclaimers mm. about me not knowing jack about medicine. All right, which is true, but I also find it's kind of strange. All right, yeah, his. Theory for why Bruce Lee died is just a bunch of confirmation bias. That's not scientific at all. I would dare say that's scientistic. That's definitely not scientific. <laughs> right. Bruce Lee died for adrenal failure from the hydrocortisone shots and the Japanese electric muscle stimulator in the Made overtraining. It Made it worse. So what is is, is he getting his he's a doctor though? He's, but yeah, but from hours the of he, yeah, a he's day. a doctor from the Richard Dawson Medical School. <laughs> isn't he the guy from wait, Family wait. Feud? Yeah, isn't, he, isn't that the host of Family Feud? He He's saying that he has a certificate, not saying that he... Oh. Holy! Yeah, but but he's That's, he says he's a doctor. What does he, he also have, have? What does he also have a degree in criminology from the O.J. Simpson School I, of Crime? I, I, I don't. <laughs> Come on! I don't know, but all right, this dude. Well, first of all, doctor. first of all, that is heated. This doctor, all right, his <laughs> conspiracy theory about Bruce's death is based on a bunch of hearsay nonsense from you know Tom Tom Bleeker's non medical opinion on Bruce's death, Beardy's bullshit about uh, overtraining, and <laughs> uh, you know the internet's theories about Bruce Lee dying from a Japanese muscle stimulator, which we we talked about. All right, we did we did that show. So that. so here's my. Here's my counter challenge to, dry, to Dr. Eisen. All right? Look at Bruce Lee's autopsy and mm -hmm. tell me how you come to adrenal failure, all right, mm -hmm. when his kidneys were fine, all right? How you come to these other, you know, the muscle stimulator, where, where's, the, where's the damage? How do you know there's damage to his nervous system because of an electric muscle stimulator, all right? Tell me where this stuff comes from, from his autopsy, all right? That's my challenge to uh, the dude who learned, you know, medicine from the Bob Barker School of Veterinarianism or whatever, all right? Next, next question, all right? What? Bob Barker School of Veterinarianism. <laughs> the Gary Glitter School of Pediatrics. Jesus. Ah, no. That's some dark British humor over there. Oh. All right. All right, let's... let's... Get off of. Could have been worse. I could have said Jimmy Savile. Hey, 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 hey. Too soon. All right, let's go. Damn it. All right, I'm sure he will take that challenge. Yeah, I'm sure he will. All right, see what next he comes up. up with next. Jackal. Next up, we got. 
hey, these people slip through the cracks, man. Yeah, slip through your crack. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yo. Hey, that's how they're getting in there. Hey, You're slipping down the crack. <laughs> hey, yo. All right, next question. Crack is whack. Louis Cruz. <laughs> All right, here we go. Louis Sifu Cruz. Richter, would you discuss Vimo fights that took place in Hong Kong? I have read that Wong Sheng Leung was def- was undefeated. I was mm. about to say was defeated. Mm. <laughs> Is Baimo real or just internet nonsense? Are these fights still going on? Uh, that's a great question. Probably a much better question for someone like Sifu David Peterson to answer, oh. especially about the specifics about uh, different fights and all that stuff. Plus, I mean, there's there, there are books out now, uh, like that great, the Gong Sao Wong book that I talked about during the live, um, the um, this tribute to Wong Sao Wong written with contributions from 25 of his uh, direct students where they talk about different fights in there and there's a lot of historical references in there. So, I mean, the the, the specific fights that Wong Sun in particular had, like, I'm not, I'm not going to comment too much on that because, first of all, the, the stuff's already written out there. You don't need me to rehash that stuff. And second, that, that I, um, I would much prefer to hear that come out of the mouth of, like one of Wong Sung's students than, than, than me. I don't want to misrepresent anything that um, occurred between uh, the late uh, Wong Sivu and, and some of the other the martial artists that he fought with. So Bei, Bei means to compare. Mo means, Mo is martial. You know, in mm. Mandarin, it's Wu, like Wu Shu, martial, right? Mm. Martial arts, Wu Shu in Mandarin. That Wu character, which means martial, in Mandarin is Mo. So... Bei Mo literally means Bei is to compare. Mo means martial. So it means to compare martial skills. So, okay. of course, the thing that Westerners always have is they go like, oh, these Bei Mo fights. And they look at that word as something like super secret and super special. Like these are like like because we have these visions of like Dragon the Bruce Lee story, these councils in in San Francisco, Chinatown, where they have all these formalized rules. And it's like this big underground thing where really it's just a term in Chinese. All right. It's just like uh. just like um, like the way you might say like, oh, we're going to go scrap today or we're going to go like, uh, you know, let's. Uh, um, Slap. Yeah, let's Slap. Du- <laughs> yeah, let's let's do let's duke it out or whatever. Uh-huh. Right. And then like, you know, you you, you hear that phrase duke it out in another language you you come from another country and you learn this english phrase duke it out Mm. and uh, you're like oh what about the super secret duke it out fights of the (laughs) 1980s you know what i mean and so so there's a certain amount of we used to say slap box yes there's a certain amount of prestige that's given to chinese words Mm -hmm. that are normal as hell by non-Chinese speakers solely for the fact that they're in Chinese, all right? So there's nothing actually super special about that term. It's something that they use to compare the martial skills of two practitioners or the martial skills between various styles. But it's nothing more than a term that means a martial comparison. So there's nothing mystical about that, all right? So uh, you, you, it could be anything from a very informal that your cousin does another martial art and you guys just duke it out in the backyard to like a rooftop fight to even um, even technically tournament fighting could mm-hmm. also be under that category, although they normally use um, bei choy, choy like the, which means something more formal like a competition. Okay? okay, So you would think maybe bei mo means something slightly less formal than a tournament competition. All right. Um, and so obviously those are very real. I mean, that is how 
the Wing Chun school made a name in the very early days, particularly with Wong Sun fighting. But there were other people who also fought in those days as well. William Chang. There were other students. Obviously, Bruce Lee had some fights. And um, there's lots of stories about that stuff. And so that stuff was real. Uh, and it's not Internet nonsense because those, those stories predated the Internet, believe it or not, because they happened in the 1950s. All okay. right. I don't know about you, but the Internet sucked in the 50s. All right. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so no, it's it's not. This is not an internet phenomenon. But I think the the part of the problem is that um, uh, when it comes to Chinese kung fu in particular, the past is often glorified into being something uh, that is way more um, glamorous than it actually was, mm -hmm. and we cannot help looking at things in the past that we don't know through the lens of our current experience. And that is a very flawed way of looking at it, right? You have to imagine the the way martial arts were perceived in 1950s Hong Kong, which is just shortly after the Second World War. Hong Kong was in a bit of a depression during the Second World War, especially Japanese occupation. And then after that, especially through the 50s and into the 60s, Hong Kong started to rise up again and become one of the economic tigers of Asia. But 1950s Hong Kong was still developing, mm -hmm. and which included the martial <laughs> arts scene. You know, things are becoming more commercial. You know, it's it's uh, we're coming into the modern era of TVs and movies and things that were normally secretive. Now you can see these things more. All right. So that was the dawn of the birth of kind of the modern Hong Kong martial arts scene where you had these different schools. Obviously, Yip Man came and was really the first one to teach Wing Chun in Hong Kong. And so how did you make a name? Well, you challenged the other styles and then, you know, you saw what was what. And because of the efforts of people like Wong Sun and Wing Chun gained a reputation of being a very practical fighting art. That stuff was very real, but I think that if you could go back and actually see video footage of those fights, which there's only, as far as I know, there's the one video um, which uh, you can see it on YouTube. It's black and white, and mm -hmm. it's um, one of uh, Wong Sunlong's students, um, one of his first students, the black and white footage, he, um, he uh, Wu, Wu Chanlam. Mm -hmm. who was also good friends with uh, Chan Chi Man. And I believe he fights a Northern Praying Mantis guy. And you see they're up there in like their dress slacks and, you know, they're on the roof and then he kind of punches them and pushes them. And these, th this is kind of scrappy, but we're, you're not looking at a UFC fight here. Mm -hmm. um, you're not looking at like a super high caliber of fighter versus another super high caliber of fighter. You're looking at people who are doing martial arts as a hobby, kind of testing themselves out against other people who are doing martial arts as a hobby. They wanted to compare and see how they stacked up against other styles and they wanted to use that as a way to improve their own martial arts. But you're not looking, I mean, in 1950s Hong Kong, you already had boxing, all right? So you already did have a professional type of pugilism through the art of boxing. You didn't quite have kickboxing yet or you didn't have the full contact tournaments yet, uh, but you had this. So that stuff was real, but I think if you could go back and watch, like, if there were if there was 4K video footage, you could go back in time and, sh and see all those things. Hmm. You, you would see some things, obviously, very real. I mean, they're really going at it, but I don't think you're going to see something where you go, like, wow, these performances cannot be matched in the modern day. Because there's always a perception because you cannot see it. There's a perception that Shaolin monks in the 1600s somehow fought in a way of which no one would be able to defeat them today because back then they knew all this stuff. And, they, and, and what's often peddled by a lot of Kung Fu people is uh, the reason why Kung Fu doesn't have the same reputation as it did 
before is because the new generation, they don't have all this super secret shit that they used to have back in the day. That that is that is ki- kind of like, you know, that the Shaolin monks had all these methods and stuff like that. Like like if if you could take the top Shaolin monk from the 1600s, the <laughs> most fit peak condition 28 year old or whatever and put that and transport that person into UFC in their weight class, and we get the shit kicked out of them. Okay? So, but there's a perception that no, because they knew all this stuff. As if somehow fighting technology degenerates with every generation, right? It's like, well, it might under the Chinese system of keeping shit secret and not really teaching openly. Mm. But the rest of the martial arts world that's out of this weird kind of uh, teaching through the family system Chinese way of doing things, most of those martial arts improved over time, all right? But uh, Chinese martial arts is the only martial arts where there's this assumption that every generation gets worse. And that could be true because every generation keep secrets and doesn't teach stuff openly and becomes more culty and housed in and they live in their own walled garden of their style where they don't want to see anything over that wall. It's possible. But to think that, you know, guys back in the day had all of this crazy technology, which we have we lost and we haven't figured it out since is kind of silly. So those early fights were very pivotal to Wing Chun gaining a reputation in Hong Kong and obviously to for people like Wong Sun Leung and others to figure out what really worked in Wing Chun and what was maybe not as effective. But um, I, I don't think that you would be looking at the most epic. I don't think you, what people perception, they would go back and they would see Siva Wong, a young Siva Wong fighting. And this thing would look like the final fight scene in Prodigal Son or oh, something like that. Right. Okay. Um, with perhaps more Wing Chun. Um, hmm. it, I don't think it's like that at all. Um, so, so yeah, those things are real, but I, I think the perception of it is a little, is a little skewed because of the lens by which people look at this stuff. And you really have to look at it through a Hong Kong, uh, post-war lens. Okay. Hmm. Imagine how fighting will be 400 years from now. Oh, I know. It'll be all virtual. They don't Uh. actually have to fight each other. (laughs) Oh, right. You fight with these uh, avatars in virtual reality, and Come then on. and then whoever wins, the other person act, dies in real life. Yeah, you got your glasses, bro. Yeah, get your glasses. I'll meet you out there. That's right. Meet you in the VR world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we have one time for one more. Yeah, yes. Time for one more. One more. Only one more. Only one more. All right. Next up, we got Andrew Lin. Andrew Lin. Yeah. I've heard of him. Our dude. Uh huh. All right. Shout out to Andrew Lin. What are your thoughts on movies like Paper Tigers and Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? Assuming you've seen them. I personally felt like these independent movies were better than a lot of the kung fu films coming out of HK China these days. Mm. That's great. Yeah, I haven't seen Everything, Everywhere, All at Once yet. Oh, I haven't seen either. Every, everyone, everyone tells me I should t- I, I want to see. I'm a huge Michelle Yeoh fan. It's just that... The Kung Fu genius rarely has time to go to the movies. I, I did see the new Doctor Strange movie. I did see this. Yeah, I, I usually uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, I usually make time to see like the new big Marvel movie. But yeah, Star um, Scott Atkins. Yeah, or the latest big Scott Atkins movie, right? <laughs> oh, um, yes. But um, no, I like Scott Atkins. Starring He's great. Scott Atkins. Scott and, uh, Atkins, be on my podcast. You're awesome. I did not see that movie. I did see Paper Tigers. I thought Paper Tigers was super entertaining. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're in an interesting time period now where the average person has the technology to make a movie on their own. I mean, the old, hmm. the old way films were made were obviously the studio is the only one that has the ability to make it because of how expensive it is to make films. Now you can, 
you can shoot movies on your iPhone, all right? Can you imagine if you could go back to Bruce Lee's time and say something like, you know, in, in 2022, you could shoot a movie on your phone. <laughs> like, what? Like, what? You can hold phones in, in, in <laughs> like, your hand now? How, how does that work? Yeah. Right? yeah. How do you shoot a movie with a phone, right? <laughs> so so what, what this does is it's taken power away from the big studios because now, you know, if, if there's someone who's ambitious and talented and has a couple of people around them that can do different things. You could write a really fantastic screenplay. You could shoot a movie on your damn phone if you didn't want to, to get another camera and edit the thing on your computer and come up with something good. And if there were people, other people thought it was good, there are means to distribute it. And even if not, you can just put the damn thing on YouTube, right? So um, it's interesting because now that so many people can essentially make movies. Now I think you're going to see a lot of interesting stuff coming out from people who 30 years ago wouldn't have been able to have that uh, platform to do it. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm excited about it, uh, about seeing, you know, people like uh, the team that did uh, Paper Tigers, like more of those films coming out. I think that would be, uh, that would be interesting. I, I like Paper Tigers a lot. It's basically a story of, uh, you know, the, a group that learned Chinese martial arts through their Sifu and then, mm -hmm. you know, their Sifu passes and then they have to kind of find out with the story. But it, it kind of has a classic Kung Fu movie plot. All right. But it's set in a modern day and um, and it has those martial club guys in it the, the, the who do fantastic choreography. It was good. I, I, I thought it was entertaining. I saw it at the uh, Museum of the Moving Image. All right. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing more of that stuff. I would like, uh, you know, I would like people they to film do. this on an iPhone. No, I no. don't. I don't think they filmed. I think okay. they filmed with proper cameras. Well, I'm right. just saying in general, like you, you could if yes. you want make a movie on your iPhone with all three of those lenses. All right, <laughs> cool. That was a lot of fun, man. And that's all I got to say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. Like this video, share it, and if you have questions for a future episode, go ahead and write those in the comments below. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu Genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of hater-raid on the Kung Fu Hustle, lots of Kung Fu Hustle hater-raid, lots of Kung Fu Hustle hater-raid. God, he's like the worst human I know. Lots of Kung Fu Hustle hater-raid. You know, this is, you do get actually like three monthly reviews for your position. Yes. Right? This isn't looking good for you no. right now. You, exactly. you know what I just realized, Mikey Dean? Mm -hmm. Like a minute before I die. And I'm on a bed in a hospital somewhere. Oh, what? I'm going to be thinking about how much of my life I lost what? waiting for this dude to do the intro that I could have been enjoying time with my family, uh, no. teaching martial arts, yeah. or picking fleas out of my beard. I thought you were going to say boogers out your else. nose. I'm going to revoke your your medical license. You your kung fu like, what? Yeah, no, I didn't say kung fu what, what, what goes into his Mr. ear and what gets processed and what comes out, not even remotely the same. All right, peoples. We did it. Good job. Well done. I don't care what Mikey Dean says, you're a human being and you deserve respect. No, you're not.
Oh, 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 oh,